Welcome to the Wolfhounds Podcast from the DMZ and beyond. Hear stories, memories, and more from the Vietnam veterans who served faithfully in Vietnam. You've never heard Vietnam like this. Welcome to the microphone, your host. Did this guy even serve? Tim Quintrell. Did I serve? I did not serve in the military. No, I didn't, but I am serving now. Hey, Tim Quintrell here with you, along with the alpha wolfhound himself, John, Big John Quintrell. What's happening, brother? Breaker, breaker, one nine. How about it, wolfhound? You got your ears on out there? Man, we're excited. This is our first ever. We're talking first ever podcast, and boy, we have spent the last two years putting this together. We've done some interviews and recordings And we've got a lot of good stuff coming, so sit back, relax, buckle up, buttercup, because it's coming. So, uh, Big John, you know, we talked about this uh, earlier today about the why of the podcast. Why don't you tell us, as we get diving into this thing, why is it important that we do a Wolfhounds podcast? Well, Tim, one of the main things on my mind is, is we need to take advantage of the technology that's out there. And unfortunately, us old Wolfhounds aren't up to speed on that. And uh, it's just, we're very lucky we have you that, and you have the technology uh, expertise to be able to put these things together. And I'm going to go back to the fact that our service together, this is our service, is historical. Number one, this is a historical event, and we are not getting any younger. So I thought, and, and with your help, we could get a podcast going where guys could call in and we could just have a free microphone uh, talk about what we want to talk about, enjoy ourselves, uh, give shout outs to some of the guys like, you know, uh, Dave Grimm. Shout out to you, Dave. I know, the old Grim I know, Reaper. I know, I know you're listening. And Ari Hill in Florida, I know you're listening. Give you and Nancy a shout out and, and, uh, so I think it's also awesome to remember some of the wolfhounds that have gone ahead of us, like uh, Noel Nace and and yep. uh, the legend, which we'll have to put on some Doc Turner music. We've got some Doc Turner unplugged. Maybe on this first episode, we'll pull out some unplugged just to remind folks of the legend Doc Turner. The third box top, as we referred to Doc in Vietnam. You know, you've also got some folks that um, impacted you in your life. Um, why don't you send a shout out to uh, Russ and Ray? Give them a heads up. Oh here. yeah, my two buddies and in, uh, in Vietnam and two buddies for life. And uh, Ray, I want to give you and Pam a shout out. I know that Pam's uncle just passed away, and uh, so we want you to know we our prayers and condolences are with you. And Russ and Becky, we had a little scare with Becky. She wound up in the hospital, but she's back home and she's a hundred percent. Can't keep a good woman down. Listen, let's go to this. Let's get into the nitty gritty. So I want to just remind folks, if you want to get to know more about the Wolfhounds, in fact, many of you listening are probably Wolfhounds, Wolfhoundettes. But if you're new to the Wolfhound Nation, the Wolfhound tribe, so to speak. um, The pack, Tim. The pack. (laughs) The old wolf pack. Yeah. The the The, the wolf pack. I like it. So uh, you can go to the Wolfhounds Facebook page, Wolfhounds 2nd and 27th. And there are years worth of pictures, memories, reunion photos. You can also jump on board Tim, and see. Did you say .org? 
Well, that would be the Wolfhound's website, not that, the Facebook That's where page. all the pictures are at, right? Yeah. Welcome aboard. Uh, folks, we're in 2022. We're going to welcome John into 2022 with us. I was talking about Facebook. We'll give us a Facebook shout again. Um, is it time for your vittles or your pills or your... Yeah. Hold on. I, th- I think it's time for my nap. Yeah. So the website, www.wolfhoundsecond27th.org. Our YouTube page, the Wolfhounds have a YouTube page, Wolfhounds Forever. You can see over 100 interviews of men across this great nation who served and served well. So you can check that out. And also our Facebook page, the Wolfhounds 2nd and 27th Facebook page. So Big John, let's roll this and start out with, I want to go back to well over 50 years ago now. You were on the beaches of San Diego and... You decided you didn't want to go to college, and uh, your dad got a letter that said, well, if you're out of college, you're going to the military. So what happened next changed you forever. This is really why we're sitting here. This is about the moment in time when you went to basic training and the assimilation, the transformation, the different programming that went on, unfortunately, and, and you've, you and I have had several conversations with Tommy and others that they didn't do a very go- good job of deprogramming the vets when they came out. Yeah, that's so, for sure. So what happened when you went? And it's like your grandkids are sitting here, your adult grandkids, not uh, the ones that like Mickey Mouse and Peter Pan. I'm talking about your adult grandkids. How do you get them to understand what happened when you went into the military? Well, I want to give a shout out to my great grandson, Trevor. Trevor, goo goo, gaga, giggy, gaga. Okay. okay, who's who's Trevor? You don't have a great grandson named Trevor. Truett. I said Truett. I said Truett. <laughs> well, folks, you heard it, and we're not editing this. This is unedited, folks. Let's get back to it. What were we talking about? So anyway, oh. what what it was like, you know, I got to back up a little bit. Uh, my dad only had one thing that he wanted me to do. He didn't ask a lot of me, but he wanted me to go to college, and that was because he never did go. And he thought that having a college education would put me ahead of anything that he'd ever done in his life. And that's all he wanted was for me to do better than he had done. And uh, after high school, I got to tell you, I was burned out. Uh, And the last thing I wanted to do was go to college. But to satisfy him, I went and started college. And then unbeknownst to him, it was more important to me to make money and chase girls. Not necessarily in that order. But uh, I didn't tell my dad. And so, like Tim said, one day, my dad brings this envelope in from the post box. And the return address is Selective Service. And he looked at me and he goes, what's this? And I said, I have no idea. So we opened it and we read it together. And, of course, you, everybody out here that got their letter knows it said greetings first. And then it went on to say how the President of the United States wants us to show up uh, for induction into the United States Army. And my dad was like in shock because all he thought was as I was in college and he knew I was getting a a college deferment. And so, you know, and Tim, I've said this. It's one of the times in my life I knew that my dad was really disappointed in me. And man, did that ever hurt. You know, it Hmm. just, but I, you know, it was my own fault. And so, you know, it was almost like, well, what are you going to do now? And I said, well, 
I, the only thing I can do is I'm not going to run away to Canada and I'm not going to just run away. I said, I, I, I'm going to go over there and do my patriotic duty. And of course, being naive and being young and so forth, I had no idea what the Vietnam War was about, nothing. And so to me, it prob I probably talked myself into this is going to be a grand adventure. This is going to be a real different thing for me and I'm going to do it. I'm going to come home and that's it. And of course, not, not so much, not so much. Uh, and by the way, not so smart dropping out of college <laughs> without and losing your deferment. Uh, not so smart. Proud of you though, that, uh, just last month you finally paid off your, uh, college debt. That's too bad. You could have Gotten that forgiven, but that's for another episode. Well, you know, so. that's, you know, I'm really pissed off about that, actually, <laughs> now that you mention it. But we don't want, we don't want uh, to get me upset over this stuff, right? So, uh, so you went into the military and they completely rewire your brain. Like everything is completely different and you are not the same person that was on the beach in San Diego. You are now being trained as a warrior, as a, defender of freedom as a killer and i think that has a big effect on people what what was it like for you when that particular thing happened when you were young well you know basic training i think the army's biggest purpose there is is to take young guys that uh were living on their own turf on their with their own rules with their own doing what they wanted to do in life and they had to take these guys and in eight weeks, they had to take these people and break them down so that they didn't have their own turf. They didn't think for themselves. They didn't. Uh, th the main thing is, is they didn't want guys leaving basic training asking why. They wanted guys that left basic training that said, yes, sir. And if they told you to jump, you'd say how high. So that was basic training. It was basically just completely rewiring a guy's mind. And uh, by the time we left basic training, we were doing things on automatic. An officer would walk by, you'd salute. If uh, we went in the mess hall, we sat there and kept our mouth shut. I mean, just weird stuff like that. But I, I think it's interesting, Tim. They had a lot of discipline hmm. in basic, and they, and they wanted to teach guys things like drill and ceremony and military justice, and all these classes that we took. And, you know, after I left basic training, never used one single thing that they taught us in basic training. Unbelievable. Now, for those young people, the word discipline is as in correction, motivation, making something right that's wrong. We don't really know the word discipline anymore. Um, buffeting your body you lost a lot of weight there you weren't super overweight but that does bring up an interesting subject uh when when we were 12 years when i was 12 um it was one of your weekends with the uh, us kids and we went downstairs and you put on uh one of the most legendary movies uh you know once you see full metal jacket which i've seen a hundred times um and i can't unsee it in fact i if if anyone puts the movie on i can quote it line for line through the whole movie but um there's a scene with Private Pile, and it's a jelly donut scene. Was was stuff like that real in the military, or was that kind of a fabricated... Were there guys that didn't pull their weight or hack it? Were, were there guys that had to be motivated? Absolutely. 
And, you know, I, I, just like it was yesterday, I remember this kid, uh, Don Brower, and he was in my squad, and he was a nice guy, and he, and he was from Oklahoma. And it's just that he was a little slower than most guys, and he had a little problem with, with drill and ceremony because he didn't know his right from his left. And he might have, thinking back, he might have been dyslexic, but nobody even thought of that. So you get these guys that when it was right shoulder arms, they put it on their left shoulder. DIs just jumped on them. I mean, they humiliated them and they used those guys, you know, to to uh, show us what was going to happen if we screwed up. And so I really felt sorry for this guy. And and so I would, at, after hours, after we were off, I would get him and we would practice and we would practice. And pretty soon it didn't take too long and he was doing this stuff automatically. So it, he wasn't thinking. If they said right shoulder arms, he just put it on his right shoulder. But yeah, you know, full metal jacket, by the way, folks, that wasn't my proudest moment. Uh, I don't know what I was thinking putting that on and having my kids watch it. But, you know, a lot of us came home and, and our, our compass uh, wasn't exactly pointing true north. So not, not to make excuses, but it's just a fact. Told you, pop that blister. <laughs> I, uh, man, takes me right back. You know, and I, I, uh, this ain't a beat you up session. We'll have plenty of those later. I will, I will go back though, uh, talking about what happened in basic, uh, that I saw as a child years later. I didn't know uh, that you even owned a weapon, um, until later. Uh, I about got the crud scared out of me in your vehicle when, uh, you, you had a pistol and you told me you carried one for years. And I remember, you taking us uh, kids to Sunlight Basin in Wyoming, uh, no public rest areas, no porta potties, no campsites. We crossed a creek, dropped the muffler off into the creek, and uh, we were out there in an elk reserve camping with uh, a canvas tent. I mean, buddy, it was the best, you know. <laughs> and uh, but I will tell you, even then, I remember you. You, I, I, I look back and I think, what was that guy doing taking us kids? But you were in complete control the whole time. You knew what was going on. You had your pistol. You were safe. We were safe with you. There's never a time in my life when I didn't feel safe with you. And uh, I think that just comes from the instinctual training and motivation that the military brought with unfortunate wartime situations. You having three kids with you was pretty easy, probably. Well, you know, Tim, some of us came back from Vietnam and, and we definitely were not the sons that our mother sent over there. We had uh, a lot of problems. And, you know, you said, I wonder why he'd take his three kids to Sunlight Basin out in the middle of nowhere in, a, in an elk game reserve and set up a tent. And e even worse than that, you know, uh, I would get these kids up in the middle of the night and I'd take them out on an ambush patrol. And what, you know, how wacko is that? I mean, can you imagine three little kids marching behind their dad? I lived it. In the dark. And, and, and I'd take them out and we'd set up a little ambush patrol for about an hour. And, and then I'd take them back and we'd go back to the tent and go to sleep. And at the time, I didn't think, I didn't think there was anything weird about it. But I mean, that just goes to show you the state of mind that some of us, you know, came, came back with. To this day, I still have the Coleman tent. I still have the Coleman lanterns. I still have the Coleman stoves. Buddy, some of the greatest days of my life, being the son of a wolfhound. Some people call it hoarding. 
You want more from the Wolfhounds? You can check out John's big new book, My 365 Days in Vietnam with the Wolfhounds, 1968-1969. Get it now on Amazon. You can listen to it on iTunes and Audible, Amazon. You can get it at Barnes & Noble. Welcome back. Big Tim Quintrell here with the Alpha himself. Not the Alpha and Omega buddy, just the Alpha, Big John Quintrell. And a nice little poke at you there. But uh, being this is our first our first episode, we, we're pushing away from the dock here in the Ocean of Podcast. But uh, I think we should do some cool stuff like I want to... Like let's do a giveaway, Tim. Let's give away an M16 rifle for the 30-second caller that calls in. <laughs> you know, you remember as a kid when we would do the call-ins, man. My, yep. my radio was on... Uh, uh, the AM station wanting uh, tickets to the fair. You know, that's funny. Or but mov- yeah. movie tickets were big. Oh, yeah. Or Dan Miller. Uh, he he promised everybody a sausage McMuffin, and I made my mom take us down there, and he gave me a coupon. Come on, man. What are you going to give people a coupon? <laughs> Come on, bro. Anyway, we're back with the Wolfhound Podcast. John, I want to get back to some of the things of what we're going to be doing in the podcast, and I was just about to talk about this episode and in the last part, we're going to listen to a little Doc Turner unplugged. Tell us, tell us why Doc Turner was such a valuable part of the Wolfhounds. The the story of Doc Turner is actually incredible. Uh, Doc went over to Vietnam and he was put in with the Fifth Mechanized uh, Infantry Unit. And for those of you that don't know, those were infantry guys that drove around in in personnel carriers and. There was usually a dozen of them out at a time, and at night they'd circle the wagons and set up night loggers and so forth. And so Doc was was assigned to this unit, and they were up on the Cambodian border, and they used to just get their asses handed to them on a regular basis. And so Doc, being a medic, was right in the middle of trying to put guys back together, and he'd be putting uh, dead GIs on the helicopter. And after about five months, he had just reached a point in his in his uh, life that he just, he couldn't take it anymore. And so one day the helicopter came in and he put the last wounded on the helicopter and he said to the crew chief, I'm getting on, man, I got to get out of here. And <clears throat> and uh, the guy said, sorry, Doc, only, only dead and wounded. And so Doc thought for a second and he put his M16 on the top of his big toe and he pulled the trigger. And he said, I'm wounded. And the guy says, get on. And of course... It's an interesting story how he wound up in a field hospital and he was, uh, they'd pinned a purple heart on his pillow and they had a colonel that was coming through congratulating all these wounded warriors. And he got to Doc's bed and he started to talk and Doc says, I don't deserve this. And the colonel says, oh sure, you know, you guys feel that way, you're very humble and so forth. And Doc goes, no, you don't understand. He says, I shot myself in the foot. And this colonel, his hair started on fire. And he turned to his entourage uh, officer and he said, what is the meaning of this? And to make a long story short... Talk colonel, about being in the wrong place at the yeah, wrong time. And, and uh, so to make a long story short, the colonel had him arrested right there in the hospital and sent to Long Bend Jail. And so he was, gonna, he was up for a dishonorable discharge. You're kidding. Oh, no. They were going to send him to Leavenworth and he would have to... He would not get time and country credited to him he'd have to redo now it. where was leavenworth kansas that so was, he's coming from vietnam 
back to Kansas to go to jail. Correct. Ah. And what he was looking at is a dishonorable discharge. So while he was in in Long Bend Jail, uh, the inmates there, I don't know how it happened, but they started a fire and they burned the jail down to the ground. And so they had all these guys. Some of them ran away. Some of them were, you know, and Doc didn't. Doc just stayed there and just thought, well, you know, what good is it going to do me to run? And so there was this uh, lawyer, this Army lawyer, that came up to Doc and said, you know, I've been reviewing your case. And he says, I think I can help you. And Doc says, well, what do you mean? And he goes, well, Doc, if I can get you a job and so forth, and they take away the dishonorable discharge, would you be willing to hmm. to do that? And Doc says, sure. Yikes. And he goes, well, Doc, I'm going to send you, they need, they need a medic over at Graves and Registration. And we need somebody over there to put toe tags on dead GIs. And Doc says, okay. So Doc was over there for a couple of months and he was he was working and an officer came in and said, hey, I'm looking for a medic. Is anybody in here a medic? And the NCO in charge there said, we only have one and that's Doc Turner. He's over there in the back. That's unreal. And so when Doc came up, the officer said, look, we're looking for a medic and we're going to send him to the Wolfhounds. And immediately Doc said, yeah, I'll do that. And uh, the guy says, well, we'll be able to uh, probably get your time and service credited and so forth. And Doc, in his mind, thought that the Wolfhounds was a scout dog outfit. He had no clue. He'd never heard of the Wolfhounds. So he didn't know what he was getting into. And I'll never forget when Doc Turner showed up in the platoon. And he was, uh, he was a character. And the first thing that we found out is that and he brought a guitar with him. He had a $10 Vietnamese guitar. And the first thing we found out is this guy could really play. I mean, he could really play and sing. And then we found out that he, he grew up in Tupelo, Mississippi, which was uh, the home of Elvis Presley. And him and, and a couple of his buddies would sit on the, on the roof of his neighbor's garage and they'd sing and play. And they were they were actually trying to write music. And the two guys that he was with, his two best friends, ended up starting a group called the Box Tops. Pretty famous to be with those guys, huh? Yep. That, uh, as everybody knows, the famous first song that they got a gold record on was The Letter. And about the time The Letter was really selling a lot of records, Doc Turner was playing that song for us out in the field That's at, Crockett, amazing. at Crockett Fire Support Base. Give me a ticket on an airplane. But in 2022, the fight will get canceled again. I thought that was pretty good. What, what do you think? <laughs> Some people call it hoarding. <laughs> Did that guy really serve? Is that <laughs> So, Doc Turner, tell us some more about him. Well, and then Doc turned out to be like an absolute wonderful medic for us. And, uh, of course, the Wolfhounds, he found out in a quick hurry, was uh, an outfit that was in, in messes all the time. Uh, the second platoon in particular was used as a vanguard unit, which means we were always put in first, even in the worst of situations. And, uh, of course, Doc uh, really uh, served honorably. And, and he, he, uh, he got a couple of bronze stars for valor. And the thing about Doc that I remember the most is Doc carried an M16 and he carried a full bandolier of ammunition, plus all of his medical stuff. And one day I said, Doc, what's the deal? I mean, you know, most medics don't don't carry an M16 or ammo. And he said, well, this is the deal. If we get hit, I'm shooting. 
He's got to get into it. And he says, I am going to shoot until somebody yells medic. And he goes, then I'll give my am- my extra ammo to somebody else. And that's exactly how he operated. And I've, I've personally witnessed Doc running across kill zones where the tracers were going in front of him, behind him, and right over his head. And he never flinched. He just kept straight away, just went right to where he was being called. Great guy. Well, in Doc's honor, you get to hear one of the coolest memories. This is about 20 years old now, and this is a recording that he set up. He didn't even have a cell phone back then. He used a tape recorder on his couch, and he had a conversation with you. We will not be playing that, but we will play some of the music from Doc Turner. We call it Doc Turner Unplugged. Thanks a lot for being part of our Wolfhound podcast. Again, Tim Quintrell and John, Big John Quintrell, and we will catch you next time. Enjoy Doc Turner Unplugged.
time we got Hey, what's that sound? Everybody look what's going around You want more of the Wolfhounds? Go to the Wolfhounds website wolfhoundsecond27th.org Join us on YouTube for over 100 interviews. Keywords, Wolfhounds forever. Until next time, remember this. The freedom of this great nation was built on the blood, sweat, tears, and graves of those brave men and women who served and served this country well. Thanks to all our Wolfhounds brothers and sisters. Nek Espera Tarrant.